Luke chapter number 15, starting with verse 11. Very, very familiar. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Though when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best rope, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should be, make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Very, very familiar parable. One of the most familiar probably in the entire scripture. Um, the Lord here is talking to uh, different classes of people. Uh, and I don't know uh, where you might fall. Uh, he was talking to, and, and he's, he, he had parables about a lost coin and, uh, in the first part of the chapter and, and about a lost sheep. And, and so he, uh, there, but there were, there were two types of people that were there, I guess. Uh, the older brother, I think, represented probably the scribes and the Pharisees, the hypocrites. They, uh, this older brother thought uh, because he had uh, obeyed uh, that he should be rewarded for that. And, 
And, and so he was trying to merit his way uh, into his father's grace. He, uh, he said, I've, uh, that, that I've always obeyed you. And, and so he's talking to the self-righteous there. Uh, those who uh, those who claim and they, they think they have a claim that because of their merits that they deserve the good things that come from the Father. That's not so. That's not the case. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, uh, when we have done everything that's been commanded of us to do, uh, we are still unprofitable servants at the end. Uh, we're still, he said, it's just our reasonable service to do those things that God has required of us. Uh, but most of the time we look at this about the younger son. And I'm going to try to preach to you a message this morning just called Two Simple Words, Just Come Home. Uh, come home. I've thought about that over and over and over the last part of this week. Just come home. Uh, you know the invitation goes out. Uh, I'm sure there's been mamas and daddies that have uh, that have raised their children right. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know there is. Some are in this church nearly every Sunday that raised their children right. I mean, taught them to fear the Lord. Uh, and they've grown and they've got out on their own and, and they're not in church on Sunday and they're not living the life that, uh, that God would want them to live. Uh, and some have even been saved and then fallen back out into sin. Can I say to you, it's the same message whether you've never been saved, if you're lost and separated from God or if you're backslidden, that message still rings true. Come home. Uh, there's a song we sang that, uh, that uh, uh, softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. And so today that call still goes out. And I'm so thankful that God has not shut the door of mercy yet. Uh, that we still live in a day of grace. Uh, and I'm still crazy enough Amen. to believe that uh, that the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can reach down from His throne on high and convict a lost sinner. Uh, no matter where they are today, uh, I believe that if we believe and begin to pray that God would reach them uh, straight from the throne, that He would lay the weight of their sins squarely upon their heart. I believe that they would they would have no choice. Well, they would have a choice, but I believe they would repent if God begins to deal with him the way that I believe that he can. I'm still persuaded today and crazy enough to believe that that one encounter with our Savior will change you forever and ever and ever. I still believe that, that once you've been born again, there's nothing in this life that you would ever want to go back to. And so we have here this younger son. Uh, he goes and and uh, he's waiting for his daddy to die. If you really want to get honest about it, he, uh, he would receive a third. Uh, the older brother would receive two-thirds of that inheritance, but the younger received a third. And so he uh, got tired of waiting. His father was apparently in good shape and in good health, uh, and he got tired of waiting. He wanted, boy, you listen to me, young people, you that are so eager uh, to fly away from mom and daddy, you that are so eager uh, to get out and sow your wild oats uh, and see what this wide, wide world world has to offer you, I would caution you uh, to cherish these days with mom and daddy. Uh, there's going to come a time you're going to want them back. Uh, there's going to come a time you get out there and you see what this world truly is. Uh, I mean, you see how sinful and dark it is. Uh, I believe you'll long for the days of home. And so the message is for you this morning, just come home. 
Just come home. Hey, if you're walking afar off from Him, maybe it's been a while since you opened up the book. Maybe it's been a while since you fell on your knees. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe this message will go across on the internet. Maybe it's been a while since some of them has darkened the church house. The message is for them to come home. Just come home. It's far better in uh, home. It's far better. And so that younger son got tired of waiting and his daddy was in good health. And he thought he's not going to die for some time. And so he decided, I'm just going to go and ask for my inheritance now. I don't want to wait any longer. I've got to get out of this place. Uh, we have the fortune. Some would say misfortune of living in a small town. I know it has its disadvantages. Where I live, I've got to drive nearly an hour to get anything other than a hamburger. I realize there are things that uh, that small town. But let me tell you this. I'm thankful to live where I live. I'm thankful to live where men and women still love the Lord. I'm thankful to live in a place where there are churches that you can go to and find some kind of comfort for your troubled soul. I'm glad to live in these small towns. Uh, but some of you can't wait to get out in the big city. Uh, well, I hope you get things settled with God first. Because if you don't, that big city, it's going to eat you alive. It's going to eat you alive. And this man got tired and he thought, I just want my stuff and I want it now. We live in that generation. I want my stuff. I don't want to work to get my stuff. Men will not work today. Uh, they want your stuff. Uh, they want you to do without. If they could have it, that'd suit them just fine. And so that's what this younger son did. He took from his father and his father's death. This son didn't make it on his own. He was totally dependent upon the father. And he got his stuff and he went out into a far country and there began to waste it. He was finally out to sea, finally on his own. I wasn't under the thumb of his mom and daddy. I wasn't under their careful gaze. And now I believe he had plenty of money in his pocket. He could make his own choices. He could go his own way. He could do as the church at Laodicea and say I have no need of anything because I've got rich and I've got goods and I've got money and I've got stuff and I don't have any need of anything. And he didn't know that he was miserable and blind and poor and wretched all along. But everything that he thought he wanted he already had before he ever left. He did. And so but he didn't want that. He wanted to go his own way. And he found out he did good for some time. I mean, he had no problems, I believe, for probably quite some time. But let me tell you this, as it always does, his money ran out. Now, your money will not last you forever. And even if it does last you your lifetime, your health will not last forever. He didn't plan on a famine. He didn't plan. You know the economy could turn that quick. Now we've seen it in 2008. I'm not so sure they made the best choice, but they made the choice to keep from the financial market from totally collapsing in on itself. I believe personally this ain't Bible. This is my opinion. I believe that they put a band-aid over it at some point that band-aid's going to come off. Yeah. At some point, and the longer it stays, the more it's stuck, and then the more it hurts when you just rip it off. Uh, but to keep that band-aid on there, uh, they had secret council meetings in the dead of the night, and they bailed out the banks that gave bad loans. That's what happened. Uh, but they did what they could. Uh, but I said that to say this, the economy can turn today, 
tonight. I mean, you realize in the Weimar Republic, go back and look. And look at what socialism costs. And look at what it does. In the Weimar Republic, there was a day before World War I or before World War II that, that those people literally burned barrels of money because it was worthless. You couldn't buy anything. So I would counsel you, what if the economy turns? This man had no idea. He didn't plan for a famine. He didn't plan. He thought he was set for the rest of his life. But then, then famine did come. Then all of those friends that he had, it said no man would give to him. And you see, they used him. They used him for his stuff. They used him for his money. And this world will chew you up and it will spit you out and leave you for dead. That's what happened to this man. He went his own way. He did fine until the famine came. And then he was out of money. He had no choice. He found himself. The scripture says he found himself in a far country. You listen to me today, dear friend. Uh, one step out in sin, and you're in a far country. Uh, you might not. Uh, you might not have gone very far uh, physically, but one step in sin will take you far farther than you ever think it will. Because one sin begets another sin, and that begets another sin. And before you know it, you're a long, long way from where you came from. And that's what happens. Men have and women have got out from under the church, got out from under mom and daddy, got out from under that, went their own way. One little white lie, one little sin ain't going to hurt me, but it always begets more and more and more and more. And it'll finally take you to the death. It'll finally, the Scripture proves that. It says that lust, when you conceive, bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's right. Sin, when it's finished with you, you'll find yourself in a far country. I remember the night that I became lost. I hadn't went anywhere physically. I was in a church house, but all of a sudden I was afar off. I was in a far country. I realized that I was a sinner, even though I was a child even though I hadn't done a whole lot of sinful things. See, it doesn't matter what you've done. It's what you are. You are a sinner separated from God. I can remember feeling that from the time that man was on this earth. When Adam sinned and he take of that fruit and he take of that fruit, do you know what happened? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that God said, man has now become as one of us. He knows good and evil. And he cannot uh, stay in the Garden of Eden. He can't stay here uh, because uh, he would take his hand to that tree of life and he would live forever. And he can't do that because he is now sinful. And the Scripture says that God drove him out of the Garden. Think about that for a minute. God drove him out. And the Scripture says He put flaming swords and cherubim guarding the way to the tree of life. I contend from that point in history, everybody is just looking for a way back home. God drove them out of their home. They had nowhere to go. They became vagabonds. They became roamers. But God drove them away. And since that day, man has sought a way how do we get back to where we had it so good? How do we get back and lay hold of that tree of life one more time? How do we that were sinful ever get to go home again? 
I've got good news. God designed a way that you can come home. God designed a way that you don't have to stay away forever. God designed a way that when Adam saw, I'm no longer in that garden. I'm in a strange land. I'm in a far country. But the cry still went out. Adam, come home. Come home. Come home. And so since that time, man has sought for a way to come home. And I can remember as I sat there in that pew as a little boy, and that call came, and the, the Bible said that God draws men with bands of love, and He drew me. He stabbed a gospel message into my heart one night. I've heard it said like this, that God, that God first, pierces you like a needle would pierce your skin. And He pierces you with His own Word. And the Scripture says the Word of God is sharp and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword able to divide asunder even the spirit and soul of a man. And it gets down to the thoughts and intents of the heart. So first, God causes that, uh, that heart-wounding pain and He stabs your heart with a gospel. And it would be bad if He left it like that. Uh, but it's a needle. And tied to that needle is a scarlet thread uh, that He will bind up that broken heart and tell you there is a way that you can come home. And so this man was out in a far country. He had left and no telling how far he had gone. Some have gotten quite a ways I believe some that maybe have truly been saved have gotten quite a ways. They may be in church every Sunday, but their hearts are far, far away. Some of you sitting here today aren't paying any attention. You're thinking about probably what you're going to eat tonight or what ball game's on. You're in a far country. You don't see it now. But the day's going to come when you have nowhere else to go because the Scripture said no man gave to him. You're going to come to the point where you're destitute and you're alone and all of the things that you had ever thought about accomplishing has now been taken away. Everything that you wanted to say and do, and you couldn't wait till you got out from mom and dad's roof. Couldn't wait till you got out from this screaming, spitting, shouting, a sobbing Baptist preacher. But the day's going to come. If you don't repent, you're going to pine for these days one more time. The day will come when you get so far out and no man gives to you that you will long to come home. But this man, he had now went and joined himself because no man would give to him. He had to work. He probably never had to work much. But now he had to work. And not only work, he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And the job was... Slopping the hogs. And so the Jews detested it. Pigs were unclean to them in the law of Moses. They detested it. They hated it. It was so humiliating for this Jew to now be slopping the hogs and feeding the hogs. But day by day, that's what he did. Some people feel stuck in their life. Some people think it's never going to get any better. Some people think and the devil would cause you to believe that your life is a waste. You're here slopping and the hogs and it'll never be better than it is right now. And the man thought he looked at those, at those husks and that slop and suddenly that slop looked good. But you know what happened? Something wonderful happened to him. He came to himself. Boy, unless you come to yourself, 
you will never repent. Unless you come to yourself. I'm glad that night as a little boy I came to myself. I realized that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior and the message had bring forth, come home. There is a way back. And so, and so he sat there and he came to himself. And you know what? You know what God used? You know what God used to break this man's heart who just a short time before seemed unbreakable? And there are people that seemingly have hearts of stone, but God can still intervene. This man, when he came to himself, now let me say this, you don't have to get as bad in the sin as this man got. There's no reason for you to go that far. But if you do, I pray that there's a time that you come to yourself. And so what, what did he use? How did God uh, strike uh, this man's heart who was so hard-hearted uh, that he wished his father was dead, uh, stole his money, uh, stole that inheritance, and went out and wasted it all? How would God possibly pierce that man's heart? He came to himself. And then something happened. He remembered. He remembered. What does the Scripture say? It's the goodness of God that leadeth you to repentance. He remembered the goodness of His Father. He remembered. He said, why? He said, my Father has bread to spare. Don't you know today that Holy Father has got enough bread for that living bread and He would feed everybody that comes to Him by the way of repentance and faith. And He said, this man has bread enough to spare. And He said, now I know what I have to do. I will rise and go to my Father and I'll fall down before Him and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy to be called your son, but I will be your servant. And he thought, some of you have been there. Some of you have indeed came to yourself, came to your senses. You know yourself to be lost and undone. But you've never done the next part. That man would have done him no good if he had sat there slopping the hogs and saying, I know what I have to do. You know what you have to do. You have to fall down. You might not, you don't have to physically get down, but your heart has to break. You have to inwardly pine over your sins. You have to see yourself as a sinner. And some of you have gone that far. But it would have done no good having knowledge that my father hath bread to spare. It would have done him no good until he resolved and got up and started home. You see, that's where faith comes in. And I believe he came back a whole lot slower. That's not Bible. It's my belief that he come back a whole lot slower than he left. He couldn't hardly wait to get out of that place. But that journey back is often hard. It's often long. It's not easy. Uh, so uh, to fall down, that's the hardest thing probably about it. Uh, when you actually get to that place, it ain't that hard. But getting to that place is hard. Because we're full of pride. And this man wouldn't... He, I'm sure if you ask if there had been any other way that he could have made a living and not had to do what he had to do, he would have took that. 
If there was, but my friends, there, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Amen. There is but one way. And so just like Him, some of you know what you have to do. You know what you must do, but you don't want to do that. You don't want to come to this altar. You don't want everybody looking at you. i got news for you. When your soul hangs in eternity and eternity is in the balance, this will mean nothing. Men looking at you. This man was in trouble. He was going to soon die. You're in trouble today. If you've not come to that self yet, if you've never come to yourself, let me just tell you, you are in some kind of trouble. And there is but one way out. And that is to go to the Father. And so this man rose up. And he and then he willed himself. And I think it was a long journey. But something happened. He pressed on. Some of you have been on that journey for a while. And I, I, my heart breaks for you. Uh, there's not a day that goes by. I don't lift up your name before God. Uh, that it might come up before the throne. I've seen some of you cry. I've seen some of you shed a lot of tears on this altar. Uh, can I say to you today, uh, there's no place to stop. Uh, you keep going until you reach the Father. And so that's what you have to do. I know it's not something you want to do because it hurts. I've seen the looks on some of your faces getting up off the altar just as broken hearted as it was when you knelt. I'm telling you, that journey is hard for some, but the reward is so great. And so he just kept pressing along and pressing along. And the closer he got, I believe the weight of that sin began to eat up on him. I believe the closer he got, I believe like some of you, he had rehearsed in his heart exactly how it was going to play out. As some of you have thought to yourself how exactly it's going to play out. It don't always happen the way, matter of fact, it very rarely happens the way we think it will. And this man, he rehearsed. He had rehearsed it all in his head. I've heard my mother-in-law say she had rehearsed how she was going to tell about being saved, what God had done for her. And she said, when I was finished, I have no idea if I kept the script or not. No idea what I said. I'm telling you, uh, there's a spirit within you if you've been saved uh, that if you open your mouth, God will fill it. And it's not always that you know what you are saying. But God, His Spirit, will put the words in your mouth and in your heart. And so this man had rehearsed it. And he couldn't see the Father, but he knew he was getting close. He knew he was getting close. But when he couldn't see the Father, the Father could see Him. You see, you I've heard, and I guess it's like this, I can remember the hardest step to make was that first one. It was the hardest thing to do. I realized by standing up in my pew that night and making one step out of the aisle, now it's out in the open. Now I'm lost and they know I'm lost. And that first step's the hardest. But you know I have no idea. It's almost like He carried me the rest of the way. I have no idea how I got there. You start, if you start to draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. He couldn't see the Father, 
But he was on his way there. He was on his journey. But the Father, uh, with that all-seeing eye, he saw the Son returning to him. Don't you know it brought him joy? I believe his servants. I believe his brother. I believe everybody was saying there's no use. Uh, Your Son is dead to you. He's gone forever. He's never coming back. Uh, Satan would make some of you mamas and daddies think that. uh, That they're too far. uh, They're too lost. uh, They've been in sin too long. I praise be to God there is a way home. Come home. Come home. And so before the Son ever saw the Father, the Father caught a glimpse. I believe with all my heart that Father, there's a song. He's still sitting in my place at the table. I believe every day from the time the Son left, that Father would set a place at His table and just waiting for the day, having enough faith that somewhere or another, something bigger than Him would grab a hold of His Son and tell Him He needs to come home. And I believe that Father every day without fail, while the servants were working and the other son was working, I believe the Father every day would slip up on His rooftop and begin to look down the old driveway. I begin to look from the Father's point of view and lo and behold the day came he saw somebody coming to him he looked familiar but he wasn't the same as when he left I believe when he come home I believe his clothes were tied. I believe he had to uh, tighten his belt. I believe he had to make notches in it. He was emaciated. He was hungry. He was dirty. He was filthy. His clothes were ragged and they were torn. Uh, But something about the way he was approaching, the father knew exactly who he was. Listen, you don't have to. As a matter of fact, some people struggle with that. You don't clean yourself up before you come. You come filthy. You come in your ragged clothes. You come in the filth with your sin upon you. You come just as you are. Amen. That's the only way we can. For the older brother came with his righteousness, self-righteousness. This younger one, he thought within himself, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to offer, Father, but I'll offer Him a lifetime of servitude. I can remember when I was saved, I didn't have a dime in my pocket. I had nothing to offer. What do you offer one that owns it all? I had nothing I could give but my servitude. I'll be your servant. God help me and save me and I will serve you. He had it all worked out. In that day, it wasn't custom for old men to run. But you read what the Scripture says. He ran. That son was coming awful slow. It was a slow journey. But the father, once he caught a glimpse, he ran. He ran to that boy. And here's the most amazing thing. He fell on his neck. Can you imagine God on the neck of a sinner? There's not a preacher alive or dead or any book that you will ever read to portray that enough. God on the neck of a sinner. But He did. He didn't say you're filthy. Go change your clothes. Go clean yourself up. 
But he ran to him in his filth, in his sin, in his ragged nature. It didn't matter. He was stinky. He had been slapping the hog. He was a mess. But the Father loved him. And he fell upon him. God on the neck of a sinner. And he wept. And he wept. And the son started rehearsing that story. And Father, I've sinned. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be your son. And the father stopped him. He stopped him short. And he said, go to his servants and bring forth the best robe. Well, what is the best robe? It's the father's robe. That's the best. And the son, he didn't have a robe. He took his wedding. So what happened? He gave him his robe. What does Isaiah 61 say? He clothed me with a robe of righteousness. I came to him in my filth, and he put on me a robe and a crown. He tells his servants, Go and put a ring on his hand. Or whose ring? It was the Father's ring. What does that ring symbolize? That ring symbolized sonship and authority. It symbolized that now he was a child of God. Sinners don't wear rings like that. Most people, see, in order to be a child of God, Two things. You're first born into His family. Born of God. And then you have the spirit of adoption. That ring signified I belong to my Father. No man had the power to take that ring off. The third thing, He said, go and put shoes on His feet. He's not a servant. Now remember, the Son said, I'll be your servant. I have nothing to offer you, but I will serve you from now till forever. I'll serve you the day I die. And what did the Father say? You're above a servant. Servants don't wear shoes. They didn't in that day. Servants don't wear rings and robes and shoes. He said, go get him a pair of shoes. He's not my servant. He's my son. Go kill the fatted calf. Not just any calf, but the fatted calf. Men didn't understand that. The older brother didn't understand that. People in this world don't understand that. That one encounter between Father, Holy Father, and sinner changes you forever. There's nothing. There's nothing I'd turn around for. There's nothing that son would ever go back in that world for. Now he had a robe on his back. Shoes on his feet and a ring on his hand. That invitation to come home. There are other scriptures that my voice is gone and time's going to fail. Hosea went and bought his wife back. She had played the harlot. His friends probably said, Hosea, you're better off without her. But he loved his bride. And he went and he found her. He sought for her. Don't you know the Lord seeks for you? He looks for you. He leaves those 99 sheep and He comes looking for you. And He found His bride and He bought her. He said, I bought her back to me for 15 shekels of silver and a homer of barley, I think it said. All through the Scripture you find things like that. That invitation is given. I don't care what you've done come home. All is forgiven forgiven and forgotten. Don't you know through the rest of his life 
I don't think the Father ever one time threw that up in His face. I don't think He ever one time He just forgave Him on the spot. And said, Son, I don't care what you've done. The Father, when that Son came, He didn't berate Him. He didn't say, I told you so. He didn't say, uh, men in this world would have run out, kicked His Son, put Him back on the road. He didn't do any of that. I don't care what you've done. You don't have to, I don't care. Come home. All is forgiven. Amen. That quick. There is a way you can come home. Come home today. Come home. That's our message. Come with a song. If God's dealing with